Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hello, gardeners on a mission, and welcome to the fastest growing gardening podcast in the world. Almost Happy New Year. Hope you guys had a great holiday, and here we are back with today's episode, episode number 20, epic episode number 20. It's all about what the heck are we doing being gardeners? Really, the who, what, where, when, and why of all of it. For those of you who are fans or have listened to the Healthy Garden podcast before, you know the answer. We are healthy gardeners who garden and grow with true organic protocols. We are at the forefront of the true organic revolution. We are the new stewards of the earth. What does that all mean? It means that we, you and I, friends, are the no BS, no phony baloney, no faux organic gardeners, farmers, and growers of practice or are learning to practice real deal organic gardening and growing that begins and ends with growing healthy soil and gardens that are grown without or are being transitioned away from the usual suspects, the synthetic fertilizers, chemical, pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides. And even more importantly, is the fact that we don't use faux organic products that aren't even really, truly, honestly organic and are loaded with harmful chemical residues from big ag, big chem, and big pharma. We are the gardeners, farmers, and growers who grow with intention, with purpose, and who, in the brilliant words of Pete Townsend, we won't get fooled again. Because we know that the truth grows in the soil, the truth lives in the food that we grow and eat, and the truth just might save this planet that we call home. Hey there, intentional gardeners. You might be sitting there asking yourself, it's January. What am I going to do gardening? What can I do? Well, most of you guys have houseplants, don't you? What you can do is you can go on malibucompost.com and you can go to the shop page and you can look up Malibu Compost, compost tea for houseplants. That is a great way to kick off the new year Your plants will love it. You'll love it. No stink, no smell, no bugs, no yuck. Just good, old-fashioned, true organics.
So I checked in with my pals over at Merriam-Webster to find out what does intentional mean. It's an adjective, and it means done by intention or design, intended. It also has to do with purpose, which is a noun. It's something set up as an object or end to be attained. Intention, resolution, determination. All great things and great movements come from intention, come from a sense of purpose. Nothing happens in this world without hard work and a desire to change. Nothing can be truer of the four people most responsible for organic farming. And these four people must be celebrated. Mariachis, please. First on the list is Sir Albert Howard. He was the founder of the organic farming movement. He developed the famed Indori composting process, which put the ancient art of composting on a firm scientific basis. Second on my list would be Lady Eve Balfour, who in 1939, she launched the Hoffley Experiment, the first long-term side-by-side scientific comparison of organic and chemical-based farming. Third, Rudolf Steiner, the father of biodynamic farming, who in 1924 spoke to a group of farmers concerned about the future of agriculture. Fourth on my list is Franklin Hiram King. Today we are going to focus on the brilliance of Professor King. In 1888, the University of Wisconsin called him to chair the agricultural physics. It was the first program of its kind in America. He prepared his own textbook for his work. It was so successful that six editions of this textbook were published. He remained in connection uh, at the university until 1901, and then he went on to hold the position of chief of the Division of Soil Management in Washington, D.C. In 1875, the state of Wisconsin invited him to make an official report on the economic importance of birds in relation to agriculture. He then realized the necessity of a thorough knowledge of insects. He began to make collections of insects in order that he might become acquainted with them for purposes of identification. He also observed them at work and studied what was known concerning their beneficial or harmful effects on farm crops. Beginning in the fall of 1876, he spent two years at Cornell University pursuing the studying of entomology. His interest in ornithology was wholly identical to the major interest of his life, which was agriculture. So we find his attention reverting to farming in the broadest sense. This was a man of intention. It was his desire to share all the specialized knowledge with those who were actually tilling the soil, dairying, or feeding cattle. In 1895, he published a book, The Soil. This was followed up in in 1899 by irrigation and drainage. It is a general discussion on irrigation and drainage with a reference to the arid tracts and swamplands. First time ever people looked at this. The farmer, the horticulturalist, the gardener, they had a clear understanding of the relations of water to soil and to trees and plants. Five years following, This sojourn in Washington, he spent time writing and lecturing. He published a really a seminal work, Ventilation for Dwellings, Rural Schools, and Stables. 
he invented the modern silo system and that whole concept of air movement and airflow was so critical for the first time. And it was a book that did, he did really, really well with the public, but it allowed them to see the need for fresh air, sunshine, and sanitation. Later in his life, in 1909, Mr. King went to China, Korea, and Japan and on a pilgrimage to learn, if possible, what an older soil management system would look like versus what he learned from the Europeans. Farmers of 40 centuries, which is an amazing book. It was, it was, his, it was his masterpiece. Dr. J. Kawagachi, director of agricultural station in Japan, wrote, Mr. King's Farmer of 40 Centuries is the ground, greatest work written in a European language to set forth the conditions of our oriental agriculture. Others said this book covering 40 centuries of farming is more fascinating than one might suppose. In it, the author tells how successful an ancient people have been in cultivating their lands and keeping their soil productive over a period of 4,000 years. He shows the young and boastful new world that it still has much to learn from the old. Franklin King was a man dedicated to his love, his passion, agriculture. His work was intentional and purposeful, and it's something that, frankly, I find is missing today, over a hundred years after his death. Hi, it's Norma, biological farmer and the producer of the Healthy Garden podcast. What comes up when I think of intentional gardening is Lee Adams's garden. She's a woman I met in my permaculture course, and on the last day of class, she invited us all to see her garden. She's a beautiful woman who wears long flowing gowns of a deep blue color or even violet. She's such a happy soul, and when you meet her, you know that she's rich in knowledge and wisdom and experience. So that evening, she walked us through her very intentional garden that had, over the course of her 30 years there, become her consciousness. It was the first time that I saw someone's consciousness in a garden. She had trails going left and right, potted plants in random places, giant sun chokes, and mosaic art throughout. She loves art. It was Lee. Her energy was everywhere, and I wanted that. All this in under probably 2,000 square feet of a backyard. I guess a part of intentional gardening is being in the moment with yourself while gardening and loving it. The greatest thing is that I'll bet she became that happy soul creating that garden.
Here we are at the final end of 2019. We're getting close and we're getting ready to move into 2020. And 2019 for, for me was a year of having to move with purpose and having to move with intention and not giving up on things and, 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 and dealing with adversity and moving with the change. And now by doing that and staying the course, we're moving into 2020 and I'm so excited because we've had so many great things happen because I didn't abandon principle. I didn't abandon the things that matter to me. And it, I had this experience this weekend uh, we were at the local farmer's market the other day, and we met this guy, Stanley, great guy, and we're dubbing him the king of our farmer's market. And he is just an elegant, amazing guy who, he sold organic table grapes. And we were looking at the grapes, and Norma asked, what happened to the seeded grapes? Where are all the seeded grapes that we grew up with? And and Stanley stepped up uh, Norm had asked his wife and Stanley stepped up and we started this long conversation about different types and varieties of grapes. It was brilliant. And I noticed the CCOF um, label that they had on their sign. And I said, you know, asked him, what did you think about working with the CCOF? And he said, well, you know, I've, they're, they're a good outfit. And I've been with them since the beginning. Uh, he said, I was around back in the late 80s when we started transitioning to organic, and that was before we ever even had organic in America. In fact, his boss was one of the people that was on the standard boards, uh, standards board uh, that helped to create the National Organic Program standards in the United States for growing organic. We ended up having this great chat, and then we got around to the topic of compost and biodynamics and he really didn't know about biodynamics. And, and what I loved about him is he was open about it. He said, biodynamics? What's that? And we had a great talk about biodynamics. And then we talked about compost. And I told him about the type of compost that we make. And he said, well, we could never get enough good organic dairy manure. So we had to go to organic chicken manure. And, uh, and he said and his boss loved it. And they loved making uh, compost out of organic chicken manure. And he laughed. He said, the 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 gang in the office could always tell when the boss was coming in because it smelled like chicken poop because he had it on his feet because he loved to be out there making compost. And that's true. When it gets into your system, you love it. Uh, my takeaway from our time with Stanley was, was when he said to us, you know, there aren't really that many organic farmers out there. Even in California, you'd be surprised. And he said it's because it's hard to change. People don't know that it's worth it to stick it out. And I agree 100% with that. That takes intention to stick it out, to stick it through, have a purpose. He said, and consumers, they just eat what conventional ag tells them to eat. And they believe what the studies say and the people tell them there's no difference between the nutrient value of organic food and conventional food. And he knows it. We know it. That's because the fertilizers, the nutrients that are soluble that go up into the plants, they're all the same, whether it comes from an organic source or not. And what he said, though, and he stopped and he said, but what they don't tell you is about the flavor profile and the taste and the texture of that food. And I said, absolutely. And beyond that, they don't tell you about the chemical residue that's on those conventional foods. 
from herbicide, pesticide, and fungicide. You know, I love meeting guys like Stanley. You know, I love remembering that it is hard, but when things are hard, generally that means they're worth it. And, you know, and if it's something that you love and you're passionate about, like what I talked about with Professor King, then you don't give up. You keep going. I didn't, what I didn't tell you about Professor King was he was asked to leave his post in Washington because he went so far against conventional thought of the day that people didn't like who he was or what he was doing. And he moved on and went on to write his seminal work about studying soil fertility in those Asiatic countries. So here are your steps, you guys. Because I want you to start off 2020 and I want you to be moved to that true organic part of the needle, the, that, that direct north part of the compass. The steps are, one, get educated. Gain as much knowledge as you can. Whether you want to be an organic rose grower, you want to grow the best food you can at home, the most nutrient-dense, the most delicious food you can at home, a nutritious food at home, get educated. Two, practice what you preach. I ask in my classes all the time, who here is growing organic? And everybody goes, uh, I think I am. Growing organic is not a pregnancy test, you guys. You either are or you aren't. Move to that direction. Number three, don't let the naysayers stop you. I had so many people try to stop us when we started Malibu compost and started making compost and people were saying, eh, nobody cares about biodynamic compost. You guys are nuts. And we used to say to them all the time, thank you for sharing. Number four, get out of the it's too expensive story. Find a new story. You know what I always say about Joel Salatin? People say, oh, organic is too expensive. And he says, yeah, have you tried cancer? True. Number five, reach out to the people that came before you. Reach out to those trailblazers. I go back and look all the time at Steiner's Course in Agriculture. I go back and read things all the time that came before me so that I can learn new things. And I talk to people that learned things before I did. And then I try to teach the next guy. We carry the next guy along. Six, transition at your own pace. Some of us are going to get shot out of a cannon and be hardcore, hope to die, you know, no-till, hardcore, true organic growers and farmers and gardeners, okay? And others of us take that slow journey around the wheel, okay? Go at your own pace. And seven, and this is probably the most important, laugh at your own mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. And it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to learn. The one thing that's great about growing organically, it's far more forgiving than growing synthetically or chemically. These are the steps, you guys. These are the steps I'd love all of you guys to take this year. And just join me. Join us out there on that road. You know, join Professor King. Let's continue his work, continue his legacy. As we trudge that beautiful, true organic highway, Norman, I want to wish you guys a happy and beautiful and prosperous and healthy and fun-filled and love-filled and joy-filled 
an incredibly great, organic, food-filled 2020. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.